I did not know how to spiritually care for a patient. I know how to fill medication orders. I know how to make sure they're comfortable and well-fed, but I do not know how to spiritually care for my patients. And that has been a big part of my practice ever since that experience, is to figure this out. And it goes back to what John said, is to lay down my life for my friends, put aside my fears, my inadequacies, so that I can truly take care of another person. My experience of caregiving is really limited by my experiences as a nurse and a mother. But what I'm really hoping to learn from all of you tonight is what does it mean to you to really give care to another person? And how can we as a community really fulfill what Jesus commands us, which is to do this no matter what? There are opportunities all around us right now in our community to do this, and how are we going to do it? And, and that's really the conversation that I'm hoping we can have this evening about John, is to think through what is caregiving and what are the opportunities that exist right now for us as a community to exercise the command to lay down our life for our friends. Would anyone like to speak to that? Anyone? Any thoughts on what is caregiving? Or how would you define it? Well, um, I guess there are a number of ways to to answer that, but uh, one that comes to my mind is is, is thinking in terms of uh, other people even before yourself. And uh, many times we make decisions based on what's best for us or those people that we feel close to as opposed to what is the right thing that Jesus would want us to do uh, just because somebody is another human being. And um, so to me, I I guess caregiving is is, is being willing to sacrifice uh, to some degree in order to help someone else. And I want to piggyback on that. Thank you, Dick and for what you said, that um, it's sacrificing taking care of others. And that doesn't necessarily mean people within your inner circle. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part that you said. I think Reverend Featherstone was saying that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, for people in just your inner circle, your family and that sort of thing, that's what she was referring to. I will also add that, you know, when when it comes to caregiving, um, it's not only uh, sacrificial, but to be a caregiver, that's someone who who sacrifices daily with their time, energy, and resources. And so I think 
a very important piece when we talk about caregiving. You mentioned community uh, and sacrifice is also what I heard. But to also recognize and evaluate someone's needs. And to, from the physical standpoint, you, you're, you're assisting them, uh, perhaps is, is eating properly, um, you, you, you're scheduling, uh, maybe it's doctor visits. So you, you, you're ministering and assisting an individual with particular needs. And what I like about this conversation is it's communal. And uh, we all heard the term uh, a support group. And I think it's wonderful when we look at, there's an image, um, Sister Clara, uh, Deacon Forrest, Reverend Featherstone, uh, Teresa, when we, when I was a, you mentioned a nursing, uh, you was a nursing student. When I was a chaplain at Elements, Teresa, we would have to sit in with our supervisors and we would discuss different cases and what we did to care for the family. And with caring for the family, we also had to check in on ourselves. And along with that, we talked about the image of Jesus as the wounded healer. And not, not just the, as the diagnostician, one who always, um, you ever met folk who always um, diagnosing, they can tell, tell you what's, what's wrong with everybody else, <laughs> right? But, but right. A, as the diagnostician, but, but as the wounded healer. In other words, we have the opportunity to sit with, with others and minister to their need. And so, uh, but also we don't just recognize their needs, Teresa, but we recognize their limitations. And this is where loving one another is so crucial because we need each other. And the commandment that John says, John says uh, that, 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 that in verse 15 and verse, I'm sorry, 21, he says, um, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. But if, if you just drop down in verse, uh, I think it was verse uh, 11, where he talks about uh, uh, the joy remains in you that your joy may be full. But in verse 12, this is the monograph. He says, now this is my commandment that you love one another. But what a better way than to love than laying down your life. Now, it doesn't have to always be a, a physical thing. It can just be ministering to their need, their limitation. Teresa? Hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. Administering to their limitations because that's such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone doesn't know how to embrace their health or their healing process. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, for example, I, I'm thinking of a patient that I just had Monday. A gentleman came in who had overdosed on opioids. 
and he was unclear as to how to get clean, how to get help. And much of our caregiving was really focused on sitting with him quietly and not telling him what to do or how to do it, but letting him arrive into his own understanding of what change he wanted to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And accepting that there were limitations there, but that it was pivotal that I just sit with him to arrive in that inner dialogue that he could have in quiet space. You said a key word, sitting with him. If you watch Ezekiel, the Bible says that he sat with the people. When the people were in in Babylon, that he he sat with them and he was astonished at what, what he saw. And sometimes the best approach to ministry, to helping others, is not giving a solution. You ever met folk, they got an answer for everything. But sometimes when people in pain, all they want you to do is listen to their story. You you don't have to always give your opinion. You can just listen. And many times as a chaplain, especially as a pastor and a preacher, the best work I do many times is just listening. Because sometimes people already know, Teresa, what they need to do. Amen. But if we just listen and let them tell their story. Go ahead, Teresa. The listening is the opportunity to because we're putting aside our to-do list. Mm-hmm. We're putting aside our solutions. <laughs> we're putting aside our own needs and fears. Yeah. That, that's what I'm feeling with this. Wow. Well, I think also as we listen, that we maintain perspective. Mm-hmm. Because we have to sometimes not only listen to them, but look at life or just seeing the situation from their, their lenses. Before becoming, or I would say, uh, integrate, integrating to uh, uh, pastoral ministry of everyone and into um, an academic setting or academic dean, prior to that, I serve as a clinician. In other words, I work with the mentally ill. And I would ask the question, Teresa, all the time, what happened? At one point, this individual, they were very stable. They was in their right mind. Maybe it was a life circumstance. Maybe it could have been uh, 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 alcohol, drugs. Maybe there was a trigger somewhere. But I I would never judge the situation. I will always ask, what happened? And Lord, help me to understand where they're coming from. And sometimes we just need to sit. There there was a book, Teresa, if you don't have it already, by Trevor Hudson, entitled, A Mile in My Shoes. A Mile in My Shoes. 
And sometimes, Teresa, I think if we just gradually discern where other people sitting and where they be, Lord, have mercy. We will begin to understand their pain and their agony. And that's what nurturing and, and a relationship is all about, in a sense, when he says, love one another as I've loved you. In other words, this God business, and and because the Bible is a book of relationships, right? But also, mm-hmm. I love the word, uh, I love the word friend, <laughs> right? I just let something about the word friend. The Bible said, who, who was, was a friend of God? Who was it? Y'all remember? Who was a friend of God? Was it Abraham? He, he was called a friend of God. So not only are we part of grafted into the family, but he says, greater love as no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. <laughs> that, that's a friend, <laughs> right? A friend is somebody you spend time with. And you nurture your relationship. So when we talk about caregiving, we also maintain a life that's about providing comfort and encouragement. See, a friend gonna tell you the truth. A friend is gonna love you in spite of. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a friend to me. And so in the text, Teresa, he then says, you my friends. This is what he calls his disciples. He called them friends. If, if somebody called a friend, that's companionship. But, in the, mm-hmm. but there's something amazing happening in John tonight. And I, I believe it's, it's, it's the 11th commandment. And that is to love one another. <laughs> right? Notice Jesus, he, he's preparing the disciples because he, he, he's preparing them before his crucifixion. He's about to die. And he's given the the disciples one last message. And this is what he says. Love one another. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus understands the power of agape. That's love. It's not filial. It's not just brotherly love. It, it, it's not just eros and erotic love between a man and a woman. But it's the agape. It's the agape love. It's what counts. A greater love than one lays down his life. Can, can you lay down your life for your brother, for your sister? Then he says, you are my friends. 
if you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. (laughs) We're friends tonight. Any other thoughts? Yes. 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 So, um, the thing that I found so interesting Mm -hmm. in John 15 that, you know, uh, when you come up in life, there are no instructions Mm -hmm. on how to love, how to care, how how to how to take into consideration the next man. That I and I'm talking about from 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 the conception of becoming a parent and having these little little beings that are depending totally on you to provide and nurture and care for them mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. your mother and, and, and your grandmother or your aunts and uncles that they are older and now they are needing you to provide them with the services that they provided you with yes. when you were and, and the thing is that, that with the exception of of Jesus' commandment saying, love them as I have loved you, we have no other instruction. Mm-hmm. And I think the important thing is the fact that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ you. and you know all the good things that he's done for you, mm-hmm. it's like second nature, you know? How, how to how to provide that care? How to be there? How to nurture? How to just 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 be there for someone? Just if you're just sitting there, you you might not have. I have no medical background, but I can sit with you up at the doctor's office all day long. <laughs> that's you know, Amen. What I'm and, Amen. And I think that's that's important. You know, uh, wow. you you say some folks. I got some friends that that they gonna tell you A to Z what's wrong with you and how to fix it, but but again the bottom line is you know what's wrong with you and you know what you need to fix you. You and Jesus, most of your friends they're coming from the same place you coming from. They can't fix you. They can't fix you because they're but by the grace of God go I. So that means you know I don't have a problem with alcohol right now but who's to say at some point i might have a problem or i might not have a a drug addiction problem right now but who's to say that at some way down the line i might not have a problem the thing that we have to remember and thank you god for being here to to put that wind underneath our wings so that yeah i don't have to have all the answers i just have to be there i just have to to be able to provide what the Lord tells me to, to provide it. That's no more than just, just sitting there and holding someone's hand, you know what I'm saying? Or calling somebody and saying, how you feeling? I might not have no advice for you, but that is so so key just to, to make it through another day, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just to make it through and I thank God that he has prepared us by saying just that simple statement love your brother as I have loved you now you know that's a powerful thing then that's a powerful you know know, if, if we just loved people back the way 
made a lot of folks love us. We think these streets is mean now. They could be a whole lot meaner, but there but by the grace of God, thank you, Lord, for touching my heart and letting me know that it doesn't cost nothing. Mm-hmm. To, to have a kind word. It doesn't cost nothing to be a friend, to have a little compassion, a little understanding, you know? And I thank, I thank God for providing us with that so that you are not alone, that you do, you, you are able to do something so simple. You know, um, um, the sister was talking about uh, taking care of a, a, a child that is dying and there is nothing that we can do if God say so it is I had a, um, a grandchild that was um, she lived to be nine months old and, and she died and I, I remember my daughter was so angry and you know I was like listen this was his before it was yours mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so if, if, if he has decided that this child needs to come back home he makes no mistakes we, you're going to hurt, and yes, we will miss her, but in the end, God knows what's best for everything and everyone. And, and so the little girl, she she would be going on 10, and, and it's just now, because my daughter talks about how bitter she was and how she hated God. And I thought, how could you say that when he, he she lived nine months? She, she weighed about a pound and two ounces when she was born. She didn't have to, she didn't have to last no nine months. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of them, they die at birth. They die at birth. So you got to not look at things as half empty, but you have to see things as half full. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we had together. Absolutely. You You said uh, a few key things, Um, Teresa, um, has been said. uh, I've heard companionship tonight. I've heard... uh, just being there. And sometimes we have to teach people how to be there for us. And not everybody knows how to do that. Now, I didn't say problem solve, but sometimes you gotta learn to sit, learn to sit with me in my pain. And being there is one of the most powerful things we can do for each other especially when we're going through we've heard sacrifice tonight Uh, Teresa anything else that that jumps out for you I I just really love what you just talked about which is having no instructions because even with all the educational classes that I've taken to be a nurse most of the time I feel like I have no instructions and that really struck a chord for me and and that's why I wrote that poem and shared it with y'all. Is that many times when I'm supposed to be the person who walks in the room and has a to-do list or has an answer, I don't. I just come and sit and listen or sit and, and, and be with, sit with my patients. Because that's what we can give. And I find that that's actually where the healing takes place. Even more, it just, the healing takes place in those moments. Wow. So I think it is so simple, optimistic. There are no instructions because we have the instruction right here in John 15. Mm-hmm. This is our instruction. Mm-hmm. And if we follow this, like you're saying, sister, which I thought you said so beautifully, 
that that is what we can give that's truly meaningful. And it's been commanded to us to give it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, everybody, Teresa, you familiar? I'm sure you're familiar with this even more so than I am. Uh, the term midwife. Yes, I am. I, I was a labor and delivery nurse. So All yes. right. Teresa, what, what's a midwife? A midwife is really, um, it's an alternative to a doctor mm-hmm. to deliver a baby. All right. There are medical doctors and obstetricians. There's mm-hmm. a specialty docs mm-hmm. to deliver babies. All right. Then there's your garden variety docs that are called family doctors. Mm-hmm. And some of them deliver babies. It's mm-hmm. not all they do, but some of them do. And then there are midwives mm-hmm. who work with labor and delivery nurses like myself. Mm-hmm. And we're nurse trained to deliver the babies ourselves. Wow. So most people would say that the midwife traditionally is the safest way to deliver a baby as long as the pregnancy is progressing normally. Okay. And that you don't really need to call in the specialist. Mm-hmm unless there's some complications along the ride. Because, you know, the axiom in, the axiom in medicine is a surgeon wants to cut, an ophthalmologist wants to look in your eye. Um, so once you bring on specialists, they want to do what they do. So a lot of times when things are progressing normally, you can have someone who's just looking at it from a very normal perspective. Women gave birth a long time before there was modern medicine. That's right. That's right. And that's really what a midwife brings us back around to. And the midwife, they had midwives in the Bible. And as Teresa said tonight, it helps someone who helps deliver the baby. Now, the midwife helps the bear, but it's not their baby. We're going somewhere here. The things that we go through is not for others to enable and take on our pain. But what they can do is help us to birth what God has put in us. And they can sit with us in our pain. The midwife also washes the baby with water. And it wraps the baby, but it's not their baby. And then they give the baby back to the person who had the baby, who delivered, right? And so, Teresa, Mm -hmm. now I can't carry your cross, but I can help you. (laughs) I can pray with you. We can teach together. Right? That's a beautiful gift. Right, that's because everybody has a cross to bear. Teresa, I can't carry your cross. You can't carry mine. But what we can do is help each other birth what God has put in us. And the traditional midwife, they would help wash, clothe the baby. And the Bible talks about the midwife and when, when there was news of the birth, they would bring the news to the father. The baby's been, the baby's been delivered. <laughs> the baby is here. The baby is here. 
the baby's been born, they would share the good news. They were sharing the moment. Right? They would assist the young woman who's giving birth. What are you giving birth to tonight? It may not be a physical baby, but God is birthing something on the inside. And he'll call some of us along the way to help pull out that's on the inside of you. And sometimes the best climate to do that is a climate of love. Some of the best moments I've had with vision and encounter is with those who poured in. And tonight, he says, I call you friends. And I can call everyone on the line tonight a friend because I know you love the Lord and you care about me. And then he says, for all things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Because see, when you're a friend, you tell a friend or inner circle certain things. You're not going to tell a stranger intimate things because of their relationship. But what I like about this text is that it screams sacrifice and it screams love. Teresa. Yes, it does. And it's a sacrifice that has to be very thoughtful. I, I had to really think about this. And every day in my life as a nurse or as a mother or as a wife, I have to really think about that. I have to be mindful of it. It doesn't come... It's not that it doesn't come naturally. It just doesn't come... It doesn't come without thought and thoughtfulness and a deep reminding of my what I'm here to do and, and asking God to consistently be with me so that I can be with another person. You made a good point to be with another person. A sad part of, of today's generation, not just generation, but the culture we live in is it's almost like, kind of like the iPhone. The I, it's about me. It's about my situation. And sometimes we can't, just maybe, we can't be there for other people because we're so consumed with what we're going through. But just maybe, God has designed us such a way for Christians to be concerned about others. So when you hurt or when you're going through, we're so connected that it affects me. And then I have to ask the question, how are things with you? How are you doing? How are you doing mentally, physically, spiritually? How is your prayer life? And very often, life demands that we take a, take a leap of faith and stand on what God has required. And he's required. It's not even an option. He says, love one another. 
He didn't say love when it's convenient. You, you, you ever met folk? They, they want what they can get from you. Right? They, they want, we, we say many times, and, 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 and especially in, in, as, as clerics, you, you know, many times you got uh, uh, two kinds of people in the church. You, you got some givers and you got some takers. You, you, you ever met folk, all, every time you see them, they're always asking for something. And I'm not talking about money. But they're always in need. And I'm not saying don't help. That's not what I'm saying. But every time there's a need. But just maybe that needs to be reciprocal. Every time there's a need. Every time you talk to them, they're going through. You mean to tell me every time we talk, you're going through something? You're always in the valley? What we're saying is, God didn't call us to be selfish and be consumed with our own situations. Just maybe, he's called us to be there for one another. And me being there don't mean I approve and affirm and agree with you at every, on every situation. Come, sometimes we need to just tell each other the truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because if you love me, like you say you do, you'll tell me the truth. I believe God is moving on our behalf tonight. I don't want to just be a servant, but I want to be a friend. <laughs> I want to be a friend to you. Not when it's convenient. You ever met folk that call you out of convenience? But it's good to know you got people in your life who will call you and say, Hey, Teresa, I just wanted to say hello. And see how things are going. That's a friend. I thought about you. And I prayed for you. In my prayer closet. That's what. We've been appointed to do. I don't have to know everything. But this is what he said. You said go. He said bear fruit. That your fruit. Should remain. God wants not to be hot and cold, but be, be, be what you're going to be. But be consistent. Be consistent. And disciples bear fruit. And then he says, and I end here, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. But then he says, these things I command you again. He says it again, that you love one another. That's the key of life. But for some people, they don't know how to love and demonstrate it. Because only true love is through Jesus Christ. How can you demonstrate love if you've never seen it? How do you say you love somebody 
when you don't love yourself. Teresa. I see that so much all the time. And I find that really looking someone in the eye softly and opening my body to them, my language, my not crossing my arms is one of the most powerful things. So many patients will say to me, oh, you're not in a rush. Oh, honey, thanks for listening. And I haven't done anything except just open my mind and my heart to the moment and not been on my phone and not been distracted in my head with the next patient's needs. It, it seems so simple, but it, it takes some thoughtfulness for me to arrive there. But I believe that that's what I learned from this particular piece was that it's simple. Wow. I think it's something that those two words, I, I, I would say, Teresa, go hand in hand. And that is love. And the second word, um, as, as we, we begin to kind of wrap up, love and listening. Um, y'all remember Sarah, Sarah in the Bible? The, the Bible says that, that Sarah um, was listening at, 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 at the tent door. Uh, somewhere in Genesis concerning her, her and Rebecca, but Sarah was listening at the tent door. And it hit me that it's, it's the listening that is so powerful. And I think in this generation, um, this iPhone, Netflix generation, it's hard to listen because we're so consumed with our phones. If you if you look at God, he's all he talks about listening to the word, listening attentively to the word. And this is how we're able to discern what's truth and and what's what's false. It's by listening. And the reality, sometimes we, 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 we can't really um, take it in because we're not listening. You know, some folk, they, they hearing, but they're not listening. But we're not going to only listen, but we should also uh, put into practice. And put into practice is loving one another. Sarah was listening at the tent door. Are we listening at our tent doors tonight? God has given us two ears and one mouth, which tells me, Teresa, he wants us to listen more. Just think about it. Listen. Listen. 
he says in the New Testament, for let those that have ears, let them hear. <laughs> How can they hear without a preacher? So listening, we talked about love tonight. Reverend Featherstone mentioned sacrifice. We talked about caregiving. And my sister said, be there. All of those are important words in this conversation of caregiving tonight. Teresa, you want to give us any uh, final remarks if, uh, or anyone else you want to uh, share, respond, anything that grabbed you? We talk about in pre- uh, preaching, um, the, the text grabbed me. <laughs> it grabbed me, got hold of me. Anything, anything got hold of you tonight? I just really love what Sister said about no instruction. <laughs> I, that just grabbed me because I thought that's a universal truth right there. Yes. There's no instruction. Wow. And and we can bring listening, and we don't. Maybe we don't even have to bring anything else. Maybe that's what we bring to this is listening. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's it. But let's listen to his word. Wow. That's it. As we close out tonight, the Bible talks about when he was still speaking. The Bible says a bright bright cloud overshadowed and suddenly the Bible says a voice came out of the clouds saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the text says, hear him. Let us hear Jesus tonight when he says, bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What are you asking tonight? What's on your heart? If you ask, it shall be given. That's the word. But then he goes back. These things, I command you to love one another. It's not an option. Love your enemy. Love the hell out of them. Love them. Love them. Love him, pray for him. Jesus loved his enemies. The Bible says, as he went on the cavern, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. You still love him. You did not choose me, is what he said, but I choose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Go and bear fruit tonight. Love one another. Teresa, could you offer us the prayer tonight, if you don't mind? What 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 needs? What what special requests you have tonight? What's on your heart? What are we dealing with? What do we need to bring before the Lord? The health and happiness of my oldest son as he goes out into the world and leaves leaves home in the nest. 
That's on my heart. All right. All right. Amen. We're praying for our, our, our brother. What's, what's his name? His name's Roderick. Roderick. Amen. Amen. We're praying for our brother tonight. Any other prayer requests? God bless you. Yes, 